This is John Jackson Miller, and you're listening to the Star Wars Canon Podcast. May the Force be with you. There are stories about what happened. It's true. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. As our favorite scoundrel in the galaxy put it, this is where the fun begins. I am your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad you decided to join me to talk about our favorite thing in the world yet again, Star Wars. Especially with how uh, upside down the world is right now, with everything going on, quarantines, lockdowns, uh, you, you name it. Uh, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're safe, I hope your loved ones are safe, and I hope you all are doing well. Uh, I've gotten, uh, uh, I've, I've had a few listeners ask if everything is good here under my roof, uh, and yes, Kirsty and Jensen are doing very well. I had a little bit of a head cold last week. I actually recorded a new episode of the podcast. I recorded this episode last week, but I went back to start editing it and listened to it, and I wasn't happy with the way I sounded, uh, very stuffed up and, and very congested. So I decided to scrap that episode and just wait a week until I felt a lot better and do it now. So that's what we're uh, that's what I'm doing now. So uh, with all the crazy going on in the world, let's try to get our minds off of it. There's quite a bit to talk about in this episode. Uh, Rosario Dawson possibly playing Ahsoka Tano in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. The novel for The Rise of Skywalker has released, which we are going to talk about at length here in just a little bit. Uh, and I've got a handful of mailbag questions from you guys and gals. So it's going to be a fun episode this week. Also, please forgive me if I sound muffled from time to time. I had a wisdom tooth cut out on Wednesday. Uh, so I'm still a little swollen and, and still having a little bit of pain. But for the most part, I think I'm good to go. So let's get this show on the road, guys. So anybody who's been listening for probably the last, you know, the last couple months, knows that I've been working on a passion project of mine, the Star Wars Canon Podcast mobile app. Uh, I have decided to change the name of it. Uh, there's reasons behind it. I explained it to Kirsty. Kirsty said that she felt like it made a lot more sense to call it uh, just the Star Wars Canon mobile app. Uh, and then I'll have the Star Wars Canon Podcast on there. So uh, I didn't change anything in the app it's just going to be simply the name so it's going to have its own logo and everything like that but uh for those of you who are tuning in for the first time and you're, this is the first time you're hearing about it uh, i have been working for over a year on a uh, mobile app for canon junkies basically keeping all of the canon in order keeping it all in a timeline where you know what's what and links to where you can find all of this stuff the the star wars canon mobile app is going to have all of the following. Uh, it'll have a link to the RSS feed for this podcast, so you'll be able to listen to it in an audio player in-app, just the audio-only version. There'll be a link to the YouTube channel, so you can watch all the YouTube videos from the Star Wars Canon Podcast channel right there in the app. I'll have the entire timeline on there of everything that is canon broken down by story arc. So Clone Wars was really the big thing that I focused on with, with the story arcs, especially considering that there are 
some some of the Age of Republic comics that came out earlier last year happened during some of those story arcs. So I threw those in there as well. But it's all broken down by story arc. Very easy to find everything. Uh, and then there's going to be links to all the canon you can possibly order online or get through your phone in this app. So right now, I've the, the biggest thing I've been working on now is getting all the information put in for each and every individual comic issue that's come out so far, which is like 450 comics now, now that I've gone back and looked at it. It's like 450 issues that I had to go back and put information in and links to the digital, links to where, oh, I haven't done links to where you can get the, the print yet, but there's links where you can get the digital. Uh, because I have a plan for the print, but I, I'll let you guys in on that later. Um, but as far as novels go, there's different uh, mediums you can get the novels in. You can order the hardback, have it delivered to your house, paperback. You can order, you can download the ebook, you can download the Audible, all right inside this app. So not through the app, or not not from the app, but through the app. Uh, I want to make that very clear. I'm, I'm not making anything off this thing except for... Uh, maybe the paywall that I might put the the timeline behind. I was thinking about it. I had a lot of people comment and say that, because uh, I asked you guys when I first started working on it, well, I shouldn't say when I first started working, I asked you guys pretty recently, actually, if you guys would be willing to pay a dollar for an app like this. And the response was overwhelmingly yes. You know, So I decided that I wasn't going to make the app a dollar. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do, though, is put the, I think I'm going to put the timeline behind a 99 cent paywall. I think that's what I've decided to do. That way people can still download the app. They can still find where to get all the Canon stuff that they want to get, everything like that, for no charge. The only thing that I've really done, because I'm not responsible for any of the Canon material. I'm not responsible for any of it coming out or anything like that. So I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want people paying me because Disney came out with this stuff. That's not what I'm after. What I'm what what I do basically is keep it all in order, so everybody knows what they're talking about. So that's really the only thing that uh, users of the app are gonna, or if they want to pay for it, they can. So I'm thinking about putting the Canon timeline behind a paywall. Wouldn't be much. Be like I said, 99 cents, and it'd be a one-time thing. So. Uh, guys, let me know what you think of that idea. Also, on top of the uh, timeline, there's going to be a community page on there as well, where it'll be kind of like a Facebook feed where you guys can get on and post pictures of what you're reading, maybe post your own reviews, just talk about Star Wars in general. So I'd really, I, I, my goal is to build a really great Star Wars uh, fan community, one where everybody is accepting of everybody else's opinions, whether they match up with their own or not, because uh, I think we can all agree that the Star Wars fandom has gotten a little uh, there's there's a little more of a toxic aspect to it now than there used to be so uh, I'm, I'm hoping to build a really good community around that so uh, that is what the star wars canon mobile app is going to have uh, i'm I, like i've uh, last week we were supposed to go to arkansas for a week to visit my aunt and uncle uh, so that we could take jensen down and they could meet him for the first time but because of everything going on in the world we decided to cancel our trip I wasn't feeling real great anyway, so I, I'd already taken a week vacation from work, and I, I just decided not to cancel it. So I took a week off last week uh, and, and sat down and really got a lot done on this thing. I'm really, really happy with how much work I got done on it. And I told Kirsty that if there was ever a progress bar on this thing that you could visually see, I feel like I really filled it up during that week. So I got a lot done on it. Um, I'm very, very, very close to having this thing out. So uh, keep an eye out for that, guys. I'm very excited about it. So enough of that. Let's get on with some of the news that we have to talk about this week. And really the big story that has come out is uh, Rosario, uh, I'm sorry, Rosario Dawson uh, 
playing Ahsoka Tano in season two of The Mandalorian. I believe last week when I recorded the first draft of this episode, I'll just call it that. When I when I recorded this, when I attempted to record it, I think at the time it was still a rumor. I think since then, and and if I'm mistaken, let me know, guys. I'm sure you guys will let me know. Uh, I I believe it's been confirmed by Deadline, and I believe it was also confirmed by Variety as well, which leads a lot of it lends a lot of credence to this. Uh. I know a lot of people are pushing for uh, Ashley Eckstein to play Ahsoka. And, you know, at first, when I first heard the news, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you guys. When I first heard this news, my first thought was, no, man, why? And, and I remember talking to Nick Albers and Richard J on Messenger about it. And my first thought was, this is bullshit. Why are they not letting Ashley do it? And, and you know, and I've thought about it over the last week quite a bit. And, and you know, as more information comes out and, and whatnot and how it's been confirmed, I feel like I had a come to Jesus moment with this situation. And and I'm hoping, I'm hoping they don't screw it up. But, you know, Dave Filoni is the one in charge of this and, and everything. And, and really, Ahsoka is his character. But we'll talk about that here in a second. Um I I really didn't like this idea at first at all. And, and really, it's grown on me in the last week. And... This is something that people have been pushing for since, I think, 2017. So it makes you wonder how much of this has been true for the last three years, and we just didn't know it. So uh, I I know a lot of people are upset that Ashley Eckstein is not playing uh, Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. And as a matter of fact, Ashley put out a statement on her Twitter, or not on her Twitter, on her uh, Instagram. Uh, And she put out this quote. It says, Last week, a rumor was released about Ahsoka Tano being in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. I've read all of your questions and comments about this story, and thank you for your patience as I've taken the much-needed time to sort through these questions. The truth is, I am not involved in The Mandalorian. I can't answer questions for something I have not been a part of. I am an actress, and I have performed in all types of mediums, live action, film, television, theater, voiceover, hosting, and it has been my dream for 14 years to play Ahsoka Tana in all forms. I will continue to be grateful for opportunities to help create stories for Ahsoka Tano, and I am always happy to see her legacy continue. I am only one member of a tremendously talented team of people that it takes to bring Ahsoka Tano to life. The final decisions for Ahsoka are not mine to make, and I cannot comment on something that I truly know nothing about. Uh, and, And I know a lot of people have pointed out that her statement does sound like she's extremely disappointed, and I have to agree, she really does sound disappointed about it. And you, and, and it's understandable. She she breathed life. And, and you know, and I know she's said that it takes this huge team to bring Ahsoka to life. And there's no doubt to that. But when you're talking about the personality of Ahsoka, and I know a lot of people said that they've never really thought Ashley embodied Ahsoka. But when you when you want to talk about the personality of Ahsoka and her mannerisms, because a lot of what makes somebody a, a, a lot of what a lot of your character comes from not necessarily the way you carry yourself, but your personality. And the way you speak and, and the way people hear you, that's that's really that's a lot of what makes you you in other people's eyes. And with Ahsoka being a fan favorite now, think about it. When she started this character back in, oh, God, when did Clone Wars start? I want to say 2008. I want to say it was 2008. When that first film came out, I sat down in the theater and I despised Ahsoka Tano more than anything in the world at the time. That was the first Star Wars movie that I actually sat down in the theaters and about halfway through it was like, is this, I, I've got things to do. Is this, is this almost over? And it just kept going and going and going. But over the years, 
And, and, and the whole point of Ahsoka, and Dave Filoni even told Ashley Eckstein this, the audience grew with Ahsoka. They grew with her as she matured. And she turned into one of the best characters, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, in Star Wars canon. One of the most beloved off-screen characters that you never really see in the films. So, I see where a lot of people are coming from when they want Ashley Eckstein to play her. Uh, and, and I can see where her disappointment is coming from. But at the same time, you've got to take a step back and you realize she can't play this character forever. Okay? I know she's the one that breathed life into this character, and she's the one that got the character to where she is now. I get that. But at some point, you've got to pass the reins off to somebody else. I mean, look at all these other characters that we said nobody else could ever play that character. And, uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then you have James Arnold Taylor coming to voice him in Clone Wars. Awesome choice. Did a great job as, as Obi-Wan. Sounds like him. it's an absolute amazing version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Same thing with Anakin. You know, Matt Lantner put a lot of himself into Anakin and turned Anakin around in a lot of people's eyes. Redeemed him from what he was in the films. So I really don't have that much of a problem now with somebody else playing Ahsoka, especially considering Ahsoka is going to be in her 40s, I think, at the at this point where the Mandalorian's at. I think she's going to be in her 40s. And Rosario Dawson's pretty close to that age, you know what I mean? And And... Do I think she looks like Ahsoka? I really don't think she looks a lot like Ahsoka at all. A lot of people say, oh my God, she's perfect. She has that kind of, I don't want to I don't want to use the word exotic. Their word's not mine. But she has that kind of exotic look about her to where she, it wouldn't take much makeup or whatever to make it. I, I just, I don't see it. But, you know, maybe I'm not seeing something that maybe the casting directors did. Maybe Dave Filoni did. Keep in mind. Ahsoka Tano is a character that Dave Filoni created himself, and he's talked about at Celebration how he's kind of parental with her, and, and he's he's really protective of her, almost almost like a, like a parent figure. And for him to make the decision to have somebody else come in and play his character, I trust him. At this point, I trust Dave Filoni, and, and with... Rebels, which I know at first everybody's like, eh, not so much, and then it really grew into something great. Resistance, I don't think really got a chance. I don't think anybody really gave it a chance. Uh, matter of fact, Kirsty and I finished season one of Resistance not too long ago. I still haven't finished season two because she and I are sitting down together to watch it, but and I'm waiting for it to drop on Disney Plus. And well, it's on Disney Plus, but I'm waiting for it to drop on DVD because for some reason my Disney Plus doesn't want to play on my PlayStation that great. But we haven't finished resistance yet but from where they left off with season one we were really happy with the way resistance was going so i don't think people gave resistance enough of a chance i, I dave filoni did that i think it could have been something great had it got its third season uh and mandalorian i know john favreau was really the the head of that but dave filoni has a lot to do with that show and it's it shows it absolutely shows and I haven't watched any of the new season of clone wars yet and the reason is we are you know like i said me and kirsty are watching resistance we are working slowly on... Kirsty hasn't seen all of Clone Wars. And I, I've sat down and I've wa had her watch some of the important stuff, the Mortis arc, some of the Yoda-centric stuff in the last season, the Onderon uh, four-episode arc there where Saw Gerrera was introduced. I've, I've had her watch some of that. But she's never sat down and actually watched the series. And she wanted to watch the new season of Clone Wars, and I told her, you're not watching the new season of Clone Wars until we sit down and we watch Clone Wars again. 
So we sat down and we've started it over. And I think we're up to, I think the last episode we, I think the last arc we watched, because we're watching arcs at a time, not episodes. We, I think we watched the uh, the Ryloth arc where Cham Syndulla came in and helped the Jedi and, and the free Ryloth movement. So the next episode we're getting ready to go on to, the next arc is the Holocron heist with Cad Bane. So we're working our way through that before I get to the last season of Clone Wars. But I've heard nothing but great things about this new season. So Dave Filoni, if he if he sits down and he sees Rosario Dawson audition for, uh, for Ahsoka Tano and he chooses her, there's got to be something there that he saw that we're not seeing. There's got to be. So I, I've got complete faith in Dave Filoni at this point. And, and, and even the, the thought got brought up uh, online. Why don't they do what they did with Darth Maul and have Rosario Dawson play the physical aspect of Ahsoka and have Ashley Eckstein voice her? It, it wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that. I Honestly, at this point, I don't know if I want that. I really don't know if I even want that. If you're going to have a, a name like Rosario Dawson come in to play Ahsoka, just let her play her all the way. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, hey, we tried. We've still got Ahsoka from Rebels and Clone Wars that we can enjoy. And, and the novel Ahsoka, you know. So I, I honestly think if this is if this turns out to be completely true, I think Dave, I think it's because Dave Filoni saw something in her that maybe a lot of people aren't seeing. You know, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Guys, let me know in the comments below, whatever uh, platform you're listening to this podcast on. Let me know in the comments below. What do you guys think of the casting for Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano? You think she's going to pull it off? Do you think she's going to butcher it, man? Let me know. I want to see your guys' thoughts below. Uh, all right. And like I said, that was really the only news story to talk about. I, I do have a topic I want to really break down. And I put out last night what it was going to be. But before we get into that, I want to do a, a new segment on this show that I'm going to start doing each week, uh, each episode, called Canon Spotlight. And what I'm going to do is pick a piece of canon material that has come out, a novel, uh, a story arc of comics. I'm not going to do individual comic issues. We'll do TPBs of comics because those are bound stories. So we'll do maybe a TPB of a comic, you know, a five-issue run, four-issue run, something like that. Or an, a, a story arc in Clone Wars, maybe. Or maybe a couple episodes of Rebels or Resistance, something like that. But actually sit down and break it down and review it. Because uh, I really don't have a lot of review material on the YouTube channel. So we're going to we're gonna start doing some of that. So this week, the first uh, segment ever for Canon Spotlight, we're going to talk about something that just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, and we're going to talk about the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker. By Ray Carson. Now, this is a novelization. It is, it is an expanded edition, uh, much like what it was for Last Jedi, for Solo. I, I, they didn't start the expanded editions until Last Jedi. So Rogue One and The Force Awakens don't have what you would call quote-unquote expanded editions. I think they need to go back and do expanded editions, to be honest. But let, let's talk about Rise of Skywalker for a second. I just finished the novel last night. I sat down, and actually... I was about a third of the way through it when I started reading yesterday, and I got to a point where I couldn't put it down. And I ended up finishing it last night. Uh, the novelization for Rise of Skywalker builds a lot on the story and shows a lot more that uh, than, than what we saw on film, on screen with this story. It's a great adaptation of the film. Everything that was in the film is there. They did make it a point to change a couple of little things, Little things that don't seem like they have a big impact, but they really do. We'll talk about them here in a second. 
Uh, it does add a handful of new scenes and content. It flushes out, like I said, it flushes the story out a little bit more. Uh, and it drops in several other canon characters that we've never seen on screen, on, on film before. And to be completely honest, I I finished this book last night. Kirsty was sitting next to me. She was playing with Jensen while I was reading. And there were times during the last hour that I was reading that I actually squealed like a girl, uh, like a schoolgirl freaking out, fanboying out at some scenes that were happening in this. And I, it shouldn't, the, I said it, I believe I said it, maybe I said it on the uh, episode I never published. Uh, you know, I, I've said before, it, it shouldn't take a novel to fix a movie. And I shouldn't be this excited for the novelization of a movie that I didn't like. You know what I mean? I when when you don't like a film, if they're coming out with a novelization, you should be like, well, there's no point in me picking up the novel. I've already seen the movie, didn't care for it. Even if you did like the movie. But I was excited for this novelization because of all this extra stuff that they were going to be putting into it. And I was not disappointed in this novel at all. There are times toward the end of this novel, there's times throughout the whole thing, but there's really times throughout the end of this novel that make you go, why the hell was that not in the movie? This book, look, I already did not like Rise of Skywalker, and I watched it for a second time uh, last week on digital, and there are things about the movie that it does have going for it, but it's not a lot. I still stand by it being the worst Star Wars movie they've made. I still stand by that it, it was just a hot mess. After reading this novelization, I hate the movie more than I did before my second viewing. The second viewing of the movie kind of redeemed it a little bit in my eyes. I read this book, and I hated it more than I did when I walked out of the theater for the first time. Episode 9 is a hot mess, in my opinion. And this novel, I think, saved that story. And this, it's, it's absolutely great. Whether you liked The Rise of Skywalker or not, you need to read this novelization. This novel... Like I said, adds in a bunch of extra canon characters. It has little cameos in it of, of for people like me and you who keep up on all this canon stuff. There, it pays off in this book. There are scenes in this book that you're just like, oh yes, that's awesome. Uh, but for the most part, when it's lining up with the film, it's just the adaptation of the film. So take that as you will. Uh, it does explain because the film didn't. It does explain how Palpatine survived Return of the Jedi, what's going on with him, why he is the way he is in this movie, what his plan actually is. It makes a lot more sense in this book than it does in the film. So uh, The Rise of Skywalker novelization by Ray Carson. It is on shelves now. Go pick it up. It's absolutely fine. It's not even that thick. Uh, you could sit and read it in a day if you just wanted to. If you sat down in the morning, and just, you'd be done in the afternoon with this thing. It's it, But it's it's a lot of fun to read. It really is. And and like I said, there's some scenes in there that weren't in the film. One of them right off the bat. There's a scene in there right off the bat on Mustafar that, that's really, really cool. And I don't know why they didn't put it in the movie. I, I just don't. So, uh, guys, definitely check out the novelization for Rise of Skywalker. Uh, all right. So, on to the main topic for this episode. And speaking of the novelization of Rise of Skywalker... Uh, that's, that's basically what this main topic is going to be about. Before I get into this though, I want to let you guys know that this is going to be, uh, kind of, eh, I don't want to say spoiler heavy. There's going to be spoilers in this segment for the novelization of Rise of Skywalker. If you guys haven't read it yet, 
nothing really galaxy shattering, I don't think. But there, there are some things that need to be talked about during this topic uh, that, that may ruin some moments in the, in the novel for you guys. So listen ahead at your own peril. Uh, and let's get into this. The main topic this week, I got a mailbag question from Chelsea Lamb. And Chelsea asked, uh, uh, wrote in, Brian, huge fan of your show. Uh, I've heard you say that the novel for The Last Jedi was better than the film. Is the novel for Rise of Skywalker the same way? Would love to hear your thoughts on the trilogy as a whole as novels instead of films. Uh, thanks for the question, Chelsea. And I read this mailback question, and I was just going to use it as a mailback question. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized there's more to break down for this than really what a mailback question answer, I guess you could say segment, uh, would it would be a long, long-ass answer. So I decided to make it the main topic for this episode. Last night, I put out uh, uh, a question for you guys, If what you guys thought of this. And I got a lot of answers back from you guys on YouTube and on Facebook. I even put out a poll which we'll get to here in a second. But uh, I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. Let's talk about this, the sequel trilogy for a minute. Uh, because this is something that I feel like not a lot of people have talked about this online. Now, granted, I don't listen to a lot of other podcasts, not because I don't support other podcasts or I see them as you know competition. I don't Nothing like that. It's just I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I want to be able to do what I do without being accused of maybe copying somebody else. I mean, you know, maybe a format that they're using or, or something like that. So I don't, I don't listen to a lot of other podcasts. Just basically so I can, I, I know what I'm doing is, you know, came from here. So, uh, but I haven't seen online a lot, anybody really talking about this. And maybe it's out there and I just, I just haven't seen it. But let's talk about the sequel trilogy for a second. Before we get into this, I need to explain, maybe some of you guys are tuning in for the first time. You've never heard me really talk about where I think the, the sequel trilogy went wrong with the films. So I'm going to cover that real quick before we... That way that way you guys kind of know where I'm coming from when I talk about these novels, all right? So you kind of know what mindset I'm in when I'm discussing here in, in, in a little bit what I think of the sequel trilogy as, as novels. The sequel trilogy of films, I said it during my Rise of Skywalker review for the film, uh, I feel like when Disney started with Star Wars, with with the films, with the sequel trilogy, 7, 8, and 9, I feel like they started very strong with Episode 7. I feel like Episode 7 was a great jumping-off point for a new trilogy. It, I think it filled me with a lot of hope because I was worried during the last couple weeks leading up to the film, oh, God, what if it sucks? What if it sucks? And, and I, those... Those worries were put to rest. Now, I know not everybody loved The Force Awakens. It was generally well-received. It wasn't universally well-received, but it was generally well-received. And, and like I said, I think it was a great jumping-off point for the trilogy. And I think once that film came out and it got, you know, decent feedback, I feel like Kathy Kennedy said, okay, cool. Now let's do something they're not expecting. Let's take it in a direction they would never see it go. And she hired Ryan Johnson to do The Last Jedi, to do Episode 8. And Ryan Johnson made, whether you liked it or not, you have to admit, the most controversial Star Wars movie ever made. This is the movie that divided the fan base more than I've ever, to a point where I'm not entirely sure it's ever going to re re uh, recover from it. I, I, I really don't think it will. 
he made a movie that took risks and took characters and directions that a lot of people didn't like and and did things that a lot of people did not approve of with Star Wars. When I came out of episode 8, I did enjoy the film. I liked the fact that it was something new and it was something unexpected. But the majority, I don't want to say the majority, half, let's say half, I'll, I'll be generous, half the fan base really did not enjoy it at all. And they let Ryan Johnson and Disney have it. They let their feelings be known in a way that I've never seen, in a way that made me be embarrassed to be a Star Wars fan sometimes, to get online. I even I even said something about uh, Star Wars at one point, and somebody was like, uh, online, and somebody said, oh, you're just a Star Wars fan, you're just a, you just piss and moan about the last, no, actually, I really enjoyed the last movie, but it made me embarrassed to be a Star Wars fan. And because of all that backlash, I feel like Kathy Kennedy and Bob Iger and, and company took a step back and went, oh, shit, we we messed up. We really messed up. They didn't take that the way we thought they were going to. They did not like that. Shit. Now what do we do? And at the time, Colin Trevorrow was set to do episode nine. And I feel like Kathy... And, I, and like I said, I don't know I don't know any of this to be true. This is just my opinion, my theory, kind of my mindset of how I kind of saw this go. I feel like Kathy took a step back and went, okay, we need to play Episode Nine safe. We've derailed this thing. We, we need to do something that we know will bring fans back. And I think that's why they brought J.J. back. I don't think it had anything to do with Colin Trevorrow not knowing what was going on with the trilogy at that point. Because uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit on a mailbag question. But I, I I think she decided to go with a safe choice. And that safe choice for Episode Nine was J.J. Abrams. He had made a Star Wars movie for them already that was generally well-received. I think he was the safe bet for them. And I think, honestly, that I don't want to say that was the right call. But at the time, I could see why she thought it was the right call. And I feel like she went to J.J. and said, look, we started strong with your movie. It was great. And you left and we derailed this thing. There's no fixing it. We've It's too late. We've got fans rioting. We've got fans petitioning to have episode eight stricken from canon. We've got fans calling names or directors names. They We've got fans calling actresses names. We've got people losing their minds. And, and Star Wars names getting drugged through the mud right now. What we need you to do is make a Star Wars movie that is acceptable. Nobody's expecting you to work a miracle here. You're not going to win no matter what you do. So make a movie. We'll get it out. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully everybody likes it. If not, we're going to wash our hands of this trilogy, get past it, on to the next big thing we have planned, which at the time, you know, now we know. At the time, we don't. I don't know if they knew it was going to be that. But now we know, you know, hey, maybe we'll get on with High Republic. Get on to a new era. Let's get this thing in the can and get it over with. Nobody's expecting you to make uh, the next Empire Strikes Back. Just get, just, just get it out. I really feel like that's the mentality they took, especially you know a celebration leading up to Episode Nine when JJ unveiled the, not even when he unveiled the trailer at the panel at Celebration for Episode Nine. He didn't seem as excited. I guess is the best word I can use. He didn't seem as excited as he did when he was working on The Force Awakens. He seemed very subdued. He seemed tired. He seemed 
I, I, I just thought he just didn't seem like he did when he was doing seven. It was pretty much just get on stage, answer some questions. Hey, here's Steve's trailer. We got a lot of work to do. Bye. And, that, and that's really all it was. And I, I really feel like that's kind of the direction they took or not really the direction. I think that's the process they kind of went through. And I think that's why episode nine turned out the way it was. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are a lot of people out there that really enjoyed episode nine. That's awesome. I'm glad you enjoy episode nine, the, the film. I'm glad you do. I'm not going to take that from you. I, I wish I liked it. I wish I could have walked out of episode nine going, that was the best damn Star Wars movie I've ever seen. I wish I could do that. But the truth is I can't. But I'm not going to begrudge you you guys and gals that did enjoy it. I'm not going to do that. So uh, remember, this is all just my personal opinion. Uh, so that's kind of where I stand on the sequel trilogy. And and like I said during the review for Rise of Skywalker, the novel, I, I hate Episode Nine even more now knowing what could have been. Right. Uh, so with all that being said, let's talk about the novels. Now... The novel, let, let's just talk about each one individually, okay? The first novel, The Force Awakens, I think it came out in March of 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Came out pretty pretty quickly after the film, but I feel, it was Alan Dean Foster, I believe, wrote it. There wasn't a lot of extra stuff in the novelization from what the movie was. There were a couple of little, you know, inner monologue things where you kind of hear what characters are thinking or, you know, hear voices in their head and stuff that you couldn't see in the movie. And they added a couple of extra little things in there. Nothing that was really, oh, why wasn't that in the movie? It was nothing like that. So Force Awakens was pretty much verbatim what the movie was. But that's not a bad thing. Because remember what I said about Force Awakens earlier, in my opinion. I feel like it was a great jumping off point for a new trilogy. I think it was, I think it was great. So the novel being almost verbatim what the film was, I didn't see a problem with. That's cool. So we'll, we'll leave that one as is, right? The novel for Force Awakens, you didn't miss a whole lot. I, I, there were some things in Force Awakens in the novel that were retconned later on, but we'll, we'll talk about that here in, in, in a minute or two. Then you move on to Last Jedi, and that's when they started doing these expanded editions. I already enjoyed Last Jedi when the film first came out. I was one of the I was one of those guys. I I lost viewers on my channel and I lost listeners on my podcast because I said I liked Last Jedi. But when I read the novel, I realized and and, and I still stand by it. The Last Jedi should never have been a film. It should have been a novel. That's what I said at the time. I still believe that that that, that that's the case. The Last Jedi as a novel is an amazing read. It's amazing. You've got Luke's third lesson for Ray in there. You've got a lot of the inner monologue with Luke, kind of what he's thinking at the time. You know, some of his, I don't want to say visions, but his dreams of what it would have been like to still be on Tatooine instead of leaving. Stuff like stuff like that just builds on the story so much. And it's just so amazing to sit and actually read. And there were some extra things in there as well that really fleshed out the story for Last Jedi. And I told everybody, if, even if you didn't like The Last Jedi, go read the novel because it will redeem the story in your eyes. And I got a lot of emails from people saying, hey, you know, I hated Last Jedi. I took your advice. I read the book. And yeah, you're right. I, li I like the book. And it, it was a great novelization. And you guys heard my thoughts on Rise of Skywalker on the novelization for it. Great novelization of a film I did not care for. 
So, you know, I feel kind of flip-flop from some of the fans that didn't like Last Jedi that read the book, uh, that read the novel for Last Jedi and really enjoyed it. I feel like one of those fans now for Rise of Skywalker. So the, the novels have always, I feel like, in my opinion, been, I don't want to say superior to the films because I don't want to say superior. But I guess that's really the only thing I can say. And, and that's kind of expected with it being a novel. But. That's not what I'm that's not what I'm getting at. Here's here's what I'm getting at with this trilogy. I feel like this trilogy should never have been put to screen. It should never have been a set of films. It should never have it should never have been anything more than a trilogy of novels. Had Disney come out and said, "Look, we're not going to do films for episodes 7, 8, and 9." Instead, we're going to do novels. At the time, I know a lot of people would have been really pissed off. I would have been one of them. But looking back now at this whole trilogy and reading all three of these novels now, I completely believe this trilogy should never have been filmed. It should have been simply a, a, a trilogy of novels. I feel like Disney should have come out and said, we're not going to do episodes 7, 8, and 9 as films. They're going to be novels. A lot like what the Thrawn trilogy was in the EU back in the day. It says right on the back of the cover for Heir to the Empire. It's the official continuation. Official continuation of the Star Wars trilogy. That was your next... Those were your next Star Wars movies. And they were great. I do feel like it. it they should have just made these films as... Uh, novels. Now, I will say this. I don't think the trilogy itself really benefited would, would really benefit with these stories being the trilogy quote unquote as novels because I still stand by the fact that this trilogy does not feel like a trilogy. The films don't feel like a trilogy. The novels don't feel like a trilogy. It feels like three standalone stories that have nothing to do with one another. It really does. I'm don't get me there are underlying arcs throughout them that you could maybe say is what the trilogy was actually about, but what was the trilogy actually about? And, and even though these novels are better than the films, they're still based off the films and they still don't have any coherency between them. It feels like a great three novel series of stories that took place after episode seven that followed the same characters. That's really what it feels like. So I do believe that this trilogy should never have been filmed. It should have been novels from the get-go. Uh, and and it, it just doesn't flow together as a trilogy. Now, I put uh, a poll on YouTube last night. I tried to put it on Facebook, but for some reason I couldn't, I couldn't get a poll up on Facebook for some reason. But I put the poll up on YouTube, and I asked, what, what do you guys think? Do you think it would have made more sense as films, as novels, or does it not make any sense at all? Uh, you guys let me know what you thought, and you guys left some comments talking about it. Uh, on YouTube, 60% of you said that the trilogy was better as novels. 15% of you said better as films, and 25% of you said it makes no sense at all. Uh, some of your comments from YouTube and uh, Facebook, I've got them here. Let's see here. YouTube user Rapper Writers said the novels are post-release damage control. Of course they are objectively better. I, I agree with you. I, I agree that because the novels come out after the films, they they do try to fix some things. Because one of the things I didn't talk about 
with these with these films. I, I mentioned it earlier, but I didn't really elaborate on it. Was some of the little tweaks that they made to Rise of Skywalker in this novel to kind of fix what people talked about after the movie came out. And one of the one of the biggest things that well, not one of the biggest, but one of the things that I saw that everybody was talking about was uh, the fact that you know they they said they retconned Poe Dameron's history with him being a spice runner now and all this stuff in the film. It talks about, I believe it was, was it Zori? I think it was Zori. How she made the comment uh, how Poe left to join the Resistance. But in canon, we know he joined the New Republic and then later the Resistance. And it kind of retconned that a little bit. In the novel, they did fix that to where it said he didn't leave to join the Resistance. It said he left to join the cause. So you could you could interpret the New Republic as the cause, right? So they, they, they did do certain things in the novels to try to maybe tweak it here and there to fix things, right, for later on down the story. So now if the Poe Dameron novel comes out later this year and there's no New Republic in between him leaving and going to the Resistance, then, yeah, I'm going to have some, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some bitching to do. But uh, as of now, you could they I feel like they're trying to fix it. So, uh, no, I, I do agree with you. Uh, Facebook user Dave Johnston says the books definitely help gain a better understanding of what's going on. All of the extra scenes and insight to characters' thoughts are why I enjoyed them. I, I yeah, I I was talking to Kirsty last night, and, I, and one of the things I told her was one of the things that make these book that makes these books better than the movies is you can actually see what the characters are thinking, and some of it's actually I mean, sometimes it's humorous. You know what I mean? And it's 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 it does help add to a scene being able to get that that insight. Uh, YouTube user AAMJ00. Generally, novelizations of any sort feel more comprehensive just because the medium flows, or I'm sorry, allows to enter the thoughts of characters, and it's also after the movie. So you know what stuck the landing. So I don't think it's a fair comparison. That's fair also. Uh, YouTube user Steven, I'm going to butcher this name. I'm sorry, Lavigny, I think is how you pronounce that. The fact that they don't explain how Palpatine came back in The Rise of Skywalker, except for in the novel, frustrates me as well as the scene when all of the ships pull up to Exegol at the end, is so much better in the novel with the one-off lines from other canon characters. Also, The Last Jedi should have been a novel to begin with because it's very unsatisfying and doesn't do a whole lot besides kill Snoke and Luke. No, everything you just said there is it pretty much sums up how I feel about this. The You know, I... Uh, the, the one-off lines from the canon characters, that's when I started freaking out reading this book. When you started hearing... Uh, and this is kind of where some of the spoiler stuff will come in if you guys haven't read the book. That's when I started to to f f uh, freak out when I started seeing that the ghost was reporting in, that Alphabet 2 was reporting in, that uh, Zay Versio from Inferno Squad was reporting in, that Kaz from Resistance was reporting in as all these ships are coming out of hyperspace at Exegol. I was losing my freaking mind. Phantom Squad was there. I was dying. I was, you are kidding me. And at that point, that was when I realized I hated the movie. I hated the movie so damn much that it just... Reading this book made me realize what it could have been. Hey, can you imagine, right? Having spent the last five years watching Rebels, Resistance, uh... You know, and all these other you're reading all these novels, the Alphabet Squadron novel, which I, mean, I wasn't a fan of, but it was still cool to see Alphabet Two in there. You know, see Kaz show up in the Ghost. Can you imagine sitting in the theater and start hearing these voices coming over the intercom of people calling it? You don't even have to see them; just to hear them report in would have been 
amazing. I would have been jumping out of my seat. Yes, yes, yes. Makes me sad. It really does. Uh, Facebook user Jamie Holbeach, I definitely think the books are more easy to piece together and see as a whole story arc. But I'm not all the way through the Rise of Skywalker's novel just yet. Almost done. And I much prefer it to the movie if I'm honest. I like how it tells you she's working on her lightsaber the whole movie, not just the end, etc. I just think the basic information, like Palpatine being a clone, desperately needed to be told in the movie, too. Uh, I agree with you, Jamie. I do. And, and, and I think it was on Mark Tolley's War of the Stars with him and, and Joe Cahill where I, I said something along the lines of, you know, and it, they, they never did explain it in the movie. I think it was implied, but it needed to be explained. And it, it would have taken a four-second shot to explain what was going on. All you had to have done was shown a shot of like almost like Iron Man suit cases with clones of Palpatine in it. That's all you had, had to have done. That's it. Yeah, that, that, that's really it. And then, you know, at the end of the film when, oh, Palpatine's there, who just going to one of the clones? Well, when the explosion happens, have it destroy those clones as well. You know, that's all you had to have done. And it would have made all the more sense. We still don't even know who Snoke was a clone of. Was it a clone of Palpatine? We don't know, probably. But it just, you know, it just it, it just didn't make any sense at all. Uh, let's see here. Facebook user Michael Stapleton said the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker novelizations are both better versions of the films they adapt. And I like the films. I haven't read the, no the force awakens novelization, but I understand some stuff has been wiped away in the later films, which is part of the reason why there is a delay in the novelization releases now. Yeah. The, the biggest thing, the biggest retcon that I, I can think of as an example at the end of the novelization for the force awakens, Ray and Poe meet for the first time. And it's, verbatim what happened in Last Jedi. That happened in Force Awakens to begin with. And, you know, I and I have my theory on as to why that was retconning. You know, after The Force Awakens came out, for some reason, everybody got on this movement talking about how they wanted Poe and Finn to get together to be Star Wars' first gay couple. For some reason, everybody jumped on that bandwagon and just wanted that so badly. And I feel like they dropped that scene into the novel to show, no, this that's not what's going to happen. That's not going to happen at all. And nobody read the novel. Nobody, I, I don't feel enough people read the novel. I constantly found myself telling people, no, they met. It kind of looked like there was something between them, which now we know there wasn't. But it kind of looked like there was something between them. So when everybody kept talking about that, I feel like, all right, look, we, we got to put it in a movie so they'll see it. Uh, let's just drop it in Last Jedi. And I feel like that's when they retconned it and put it in Last Jedi. So, But, yeah, there are things in the books that the movies retcon uh, from uh, – from, from some of the other novels. And a couple of the things, and I noticed them while I was reading yesterday, and a couple of the things in The, uh, the Rise of Skywalker that kind of retconned, I don't want to say retconned, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of flew in the face of some of the other stuff. There were times in The Rise of Skywalker novel where I think Kylo used Rey's name. He called her Rey at one point. And she's, she, I remember her thinking in the book, he's never used my name before. I've never heard him say that before. But he did in Last Jedi. He's like, Ray, I know who your parents are and all this, but whatever. But there there were some other things, too, where you're just like, mm, that did happen. Like Kylo talking about how uh, Snoke had never communicated to him through the Force. He did. We saw that in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics. So we know he did do that. So there's certain, there's just little things. I can live with them. But there's certain things that, yeah, once in a while they, they do contradict themselves. Um, but, yeah, pretty much that's, that's really all I really wanted to talk about with the uh, sequel trilogy. Guys, let me know below. What do you guys think? Do you think it would have made more sense? As uh, as a 
trilogy of novels or films, or do you guys not care? Head on over to the YouTube channel if you're not listening to this on YouTube. Head over there, and you can still vote in that poll. I still want to see what you guys' thoughts are about that. Uh, all right, so let's get on to some mailbag questions. I've got three questions picked out for you guys. Uh, how do you guys get a question on the Star Wars Canon Podcast? You can send, uh, you can simply email it to me at starwarscanonpodcast at gmail.com, or if you would like to send a voice message, or if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can do so through that Anchor app, or anchor.fm, you can send a voice message through, and you might get to hear your question on next week's show. So, uh, like I said, I've got three questions picked out. Let's get on with these. Question number one this week comes from Sydney Hart, and Sydney says, Hello, Brian. I just found your podcast and love it. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I was wondering, who exactly was Yoda talking about in The Empire Strikes Back when he said, no, there is another? I tend to think it was Leia, but is there something in canon I'm missing? Keep up the great work. Thanks for the question, Sydney. And at for face value, when you first look at this question, it's simply, uh, yeah, she, he was talking about Leia. Answer. But what's fun to speculate on, let, let's talk about this for a second. Let's speculate for a minute. Let's go back to uh, 1977 real quick when the when the original Star Wars was re uh, was released. When George Lucas was doing these films, he's said multiple times how he had three trilogies written. He wanted to tell the second trilogy because it made more sense. Or it, it, what was it? It had more it had more action in it. That's what it was. So he wanted to tell that trilogy first. He was going to go back later tell the story of Anakin and then go forward and tell the story of the Garen children. Uh, but he's also said that he was pretty much making up the classic trilogy as he went, detail-wise. So he never even knew if Star Wars was going to be a big enough hit to warrant a second film. So he wrote the first movie and released it as though there would never be another one. So when the original Star Wars movie came out in 1977, Darth Vader was not Luke's father. And this, this is pertinent. Just, just go with me on this. Darth Vader was not Luke's father. Luke's father was Anakin Skywalker. He had been betrayed by Darth Vader and murdered by Darth Vader. That's the way that story ended. Had there only ever been one Star Wars movie, that would have been it. So now we come to The Empire Strikes Back. And remember, Lucas is just making these up as he goes. When Yoda says that line, no, there is another, he hadn't written that Luke and Leia were brother and sister yet. That didn't come until he was writing Return of the Jedi. He and 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 to to back that up, if, if he had planned on Luke and Leia being brother and sister in Empire, they wouldn't have kissed on Hoth the way they did. Now, knowing what we know now, looking back, they didn't know, obviously. But why would you drop something like that into one of your movies if you're just gonna in the next one say, Oh no, we're just kidding, they're brother and sister, and have everybody go, Ew, really? Why would you do that? So in 1980, when The Empire Strikes Back came out, who was Yoda talking about? Who was the other? Now we know through canon, now with, with the expanded, I don't want to say the expanded, the, the, the Disney canon and everything that's come since then, we do know he's talking about Leia. Whether it's the short story and from a certain point of view where he's pretty much convinced that the Skywalker that's going to come train with him is going to be Leia, not Luke. How... Yoda always thought Leia was the one that was the, the I don't want to say the chosen one, but the one that was supposed to to destroy Anna, or destroy Darth Vader. There's that, and and the fact now that we know that they're brother and sister, and now that we know that Leia was like ridiculously powerful and she gave it up. So, who exactly was Yoda talking about in the Empire Strikes Back 
1980. I'm not talking about now. Now we know it's late. But back then, who was he talking about? Was there another Jedi out there that Lucas maybe thought about teasing? Or, you know, what was it? We don't know. You know, now, and, and I know it's it's pretty cut and dry that it's Leia nowadays, but I know there's still theories going around that it's Ezra that he's talking about, that it's Ahsoka that he's talking about, that there's other Jedi out there that he's probably talking about. Uh, but it's, it's fun to speculate. Who was he talking about back in 1980 before Return of the Jedi started to be written? So it, it, it's, it's interesting. But I just kind of want to talk about, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Uh, I, I hadn't really thought about that until I got this mailbag question. And, uh, it's fun. Like I said, it's fun to speculate on. So thank you for the question, Sydney. It was Leia. He was talking about Leia. That's all. That's all it was. Uh, thanks for the question, though, Sydney. I appreciate it. And thank you for being a listener. I do appreciate that as well. Uh, question number two this week comes from Colin Sutton, and Colin writes in says, "Hey Brian, a friend told me about your show, and I love it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I know there are a lot of people who claim Lucasfilm didn't have a plan. Uh, I'm sorry, a full plan coming into this trilogy." But J.J. Abrams has stated he wanted Palpatine all the way back when he filmed The Force Awakens. What are your thoughts on the debate? Cheers. Uh, thanks for the question, Colin. Uh, yeah, now they're trying to come out and say that they had a plan uh, the whole time, that Palpatine was going to be the big baddie the whole time in Episode Nine, that he was the one pulling the strings behind the scenes in 7 and 8. I don't believe that to be the case. As much as I want to believe that that's the case, I don't believe it's the case. There have been interviews that have come out since I, some of the special features for Rise of Skywalker have really put the nails in the coffin that there was no theory. There were interviews with Ian McDermott talking about coming back as Palpatine. He said, you know, and, and these special features were shot during filming of the of the movie. So... He had made the comment a year ago, about a year ago, J.J. called him or emailed him and said that, you know, hey, we're thinking of using Palpatine again. Would you be willing to do it if we did? If that was the plan the whole time, there's no if. There's no we're thinking about. It would just be, hey, this is what we're doing. If you don't come back, we're going to have to figure something else out for Palpatine. That's what the plan would have been. And if that was the plan, then... Back when Force Awakens came out, that's when they should have been getting a hold of Ian going, do you want to do this? Because it's going to be a few years. Because think about what Marvel did with Thanos when they got Josh Brolin. They got him as Thanos and said, look, you're just going to be peppered in throughout you know, the MCU a little bit for the next several years. And then, boom, you're going to get your own movie. It's going to lead up to something. And that's what he did. Wouldn't you think they would have done that for Palpatine as well, saying, hey, you know, we're just going to plant little seeds about you, and then, boom, there you are at the end. That, that would have made, I mean, yeah, he would have known about that. I, I and, and even J.J. talking about how uh, he was sitting around in, I don't want to say the writer's room, but then when they, you know, I guess it was the writer's room, when they were sitting around talking about, well, what are we going to do with this, for this film, and somebody brought up Palpatine, and he said 30 seconds later, that's what they had decided on. Once you once you bring something like that to the table, you can't walk away from it. And that's what they did. So he he may have wanted Palpatine in in the original Star Wars movie, but just because you want something in your movie, you're not the one making the final call. You know what I mean? So just because he wanted to, be, to have Palpatine in his movie doesn't mean that that's what the plan was. Wanting something and having a plan are two completely different things. So, no, I don't believe for a second that there was going to be, that there, that there was a plan that Palpatine, Palpatine was shoehorned in. 
it was one of those things, like I said earlier, about how Kathy wanted fans back after Last Jedi. And this is, she was pretty much trying to throw a nostalgia party at it, at fans, trying to get them back for this movie. And I, I just, I, I, there was, there was no plan, especially considering now that we have read Colin Trevorrow's Duel of the Fates, his version of episode nine that they were going to go with until everybody hated Last Jedi. Palpatine's nowhere in that. Palpatine is nowhere in Duel of the Fates. And it was still a good, it was still a good script for episode nine. It still was. No Palpatine. So they, you can't sit there and tell me, I'm not, and I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying you, you can't sit there and tell me that Palpatine was the plan all along, because he wasn't. If he was, you know, it, it would have made more. Look, if he was the plan all along, it would have made way more sense than instead of having the kid at the end of Last Jedi pull a broom to him, tease Emperor Palpatine, have a scene, cut to Exegol. And just do like pretty much a Thanos from the end of the first Avengers movie. He didn't have to say anything. Just have, you know, one of his followers walk in and say something about uh, Skywalker is finally, uh, Skywalker's finally become one with the force or something like that. And just have the emperor turn and lightning flash. That would have, can you imagine if this had been the plan the whole time and they did a scene like that at the end of the last Jedi and teased the emperor for episode nine. Holy shit. Holy shit. I guarantee there wouldn't have been nearly as many people pissed off about The Last Jedi. And we wouldn't be having this conversation right now either. But no, I don't believe for a second that there was ever a plan to have Palpatine in this movie. I don't, I, I just, there's, I, at this point, like like one of the, uh, I forget who it was that said it. One of the uh, YouTube uh, comments, I think is what it was. Uh, let me see. Yeah, one of the YouTube comments. The novel, uh, it was post- it was it was damage control, I think that's all it was. The whole that was the whole point of Palpatine being there is damage control. So uh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you guys can let me know in the comment section if I have missed something. Let me know. Uh, and, and I'm one. Hey, if I'm wrong about something, I'll admit it. I'm wrong about it. So uh, thanks for the question, Colin. I do appreciate it. Uh, and question number three this week comes from Ron Wheeler, and Ron says, "Hey there, Brian. Longtime listener, first time writing in. I love your podcast." I can't wait to see where it goes in the future. Thank you so much, Ron. I do appreciate it. Uh, was wondering if you could give an update on what comics are currently running, what comics are releasing this year, and what novels we know are coming out this year. Hard to keep up with all of this sometimes. Keep doing what you're doing. A lot of us depend on it. Thanks for the kind words, man. I appreciate it. And, and hopefully once the, the Star Wars canon app comes out, it won't be as hard to keep up with everything. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, there are a lot of novels and a lot of comics. Oh, I shouldn't say a lot of comics. There's there's a lot of novels coming out this year. Uh, we'll start with comics real quick because it, it's the shorter of the two lists. Comics that are running right now at the time of this recording are... Because uh, I actually... I'm recording this on Saturday the 28th. April 1st is actually supposed to be the first issue of the new doc, uh, Dr. Afro run. So uh, Dr. Afro number one is going to be an ongoing series. It starts this coming week. Also running concurrently right now are the new Star Wars run, which we don't know how long that's going to be yet, but it takes place between uh, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. We have a new Darth Vader run going, which is on point so far, taking place during the same time. Uh, and we have a new run that just started called Bounty Hunters, which I've only read the first issue of, but I am 
hooked on bounty hunters. I think it's going to be an ongoing series. So we're also going to have uh, the IDW Star Wars Adventures comics running still. And, and I heard a rumor. I don't know if there's anything to it yet. I'm going to do some research on it and let you guys know. But I, I heard a rumor that Star Wars Adventures is starting back over at issue number one. Why, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. But anyway, uh, that's going to be running. And then IDW is also going to be doing a run uh, for Clone Wars. It's going to be a Clone Wars run. I, I don't know if they're going to be comic adaptations of episodes or if they're going to be new stories that take place in between. I don't know. So uh, we'll have to see when that comes out. But those will be the comics that are running concurrently. They haven't announced any uh, limited runs yet for this year. They haven't. Uh, no five-issue runs. The, the only one... I Actually, I take that back. The only... Uh, limited edition run that I know they're going they're going to do is the five issue run comic adaptation for Rise of Skywalker. Other than that, everything else is ongoing at this point. No five issue character runs or anything like that, which sucks because I really want a Luke Skywalker five issue run because we don't have one, which is bullshit. Uh, but I, I do want a Luke Skywalker five issue run. Hopefully, they they surprise us one with this year. Those are going to be the comics that are. Uh, and there's others that are announced, and it, like the um, the High Republic, oh, what is it? Star Wars Adventures: The High Republic, and I think Marvel's going to do a High Republic comic as well. Both are supposed to be ongoing series, so those are going to be coming out. I think in August or September, I think is when those start coming out. I know the novels start coming out in October, but I'm pretty. I think the comics start coming out around, or not October. I'm sorry, August. The novels start in August. I think the comics start about the same time. Uh, but that, that's really it for comics. Now, as far as novels go, uh, uh, there there are several coming out. And, and I've been asked before, are we leaving the Skywalker saga behind for good? No, we're not. We're still building on it. Just because we're touching on the High Republic and, and kind of dipping our toes in the water for a new era doesn't mean that we're not done. Or doesn't mean that we're done with the Skywalker saga. So there are a lot of novels coming out this year still. Uh, starting with Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston on June 2nd, 2020. Uh, supposed to be the prequel novel to Queen's Shadow, which was a pleasant surprise for me. I really enjoyed that novel quite a bit. Shadowfall, an Alphabet Squadron novel, is the sequel to Alphabet Squadron. Uh, it's written by Alexander Freed. It releases on June 23rd this year. Once June hits, it's going to be pretty balls to the wall with, with novels. We're, we're kind of in that calm before the storm right now. Uh, Dark Legends by George Mann releases on July 28th, which they, I think they pushed this one back from Halloween or moved it up from Halloween because this is, uh, along the same lines as what Myths and Fables was. He wrote that one as well. It was just a collection of, I think, 10 or 11 short stories, which were awesome. Great stories. Uh, but he's doing Dark Legends, which I'm really looking forward to. On August 4th, 2020, we've got Poe Dameron Freefall. Uh, it's a novel by Alex Segura. I think is how you say uh, the name, but it'll be following Poe Dameron uh, on his time on Kajimi, hopefully leaving to join the New Republic, not the Resistance, so we'll we'll see. Uh, the Clone Wars Anthology releases on August 25th, 2020, which I'm not sure what this is actually going to... I know it's a collection of short stories, but I don't know if they're adaptations of Clone Wars episodes or, like the comic, if they're new stories that are going to be taking place during the timeline. So, uh Keep an ear open for more news on that. I don't even know yet. So the Clone Wars Anthology on August 25th. Also on August 25th, we've got the first novel in the High Republic uh, series 
uh, being released, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Charles Soule actually has written a lot more comics than I thought. He, When I was putting all the comic information in on the app, I started to realize how much Charles has actually written for Star Wars. He wrote the second Vader run. Uh, he wrote the Lando run, which I didn't know about. He's worked on, he wrote Poe Dameron. He wrote a lot more of the comics than actually I was even aware of. So uh, this will be his first outing with a novel. I'm very excited about his his book, uh, Light of the Jedi. On September 8th, which is two weeks later, uh, a, The High Republic, A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. It's going to be a little, uh, I guess, middle grade reader, kind of like what Spark of the Resistance, Cobalt Squadron, Weapon of a Jedi, uh, Moving Target, Before the Awakening, and what was the other one? Smuggler's Run, kind of what those were uh, along those lines. Chaos Rising on October 6th by Timothy Zahn. This is probably my most anticipated novel this year. I am so... Oh, this is... This one and the next one I'm going to talk about are, are my two highly anticipated, most highly anticipated. Uh, this is Chaos Rising, Timothy's on. It is going to be centered around the Chiss Ascendancy. I've often said that I really like Timothy's on's writing, but I do wish he would step outside of the whole Chiss thing, the whole Thrawn thing, and write some new characters, but I'm, I'll take what I can get. This is book one in a trilogy. The fact that he's playing this as a trilogy... Uh, from the get-go gives me a lot of hope. This is this is awesome. I can't wait for this. Uh, and then on October 13th, a week later, uh, we have Claudia Gray's The High Republic Into the Dark, which will be a young reader, kind of like what Lost Stars was that she also wrote. So excited for that one as well. Anything that has to do with High Republic, I'm, I'm really gearing up for right now. And and the fact that Claudia Gray is, is writing it. Look, I've often said Timothy Zahn is the king of Star Wars canon and Claudia Gray is the queen. And a week apart, I'm getting a novel from each of them. I cannot wait for these two books to be released. So that is everything that we know about as of now. Uh, they may do more announcements at Celebration for, I, I think Celebration's in August this year. You guys let me know that because I, I wasn't even sure there was one. Uh, if, they, if they're still going to have it with everything going on in the world. Uh, but I'm sure there'll be more announcements then. Uh, for stuff coming up probably early next year or books for early next year. But guys, it, it, we'll see. Uh, but that does it for mailbag questions. And that does it for this episode. Thank you guys and gals for tuning in this week. I sure appreciate it. Uh, if you're new to the podcast and you like what you hear, be sure to give me a follow on whatever app or site you're listening in on. Check out the YouTube channel for upcoming reviews, interviews, and reaction videos, as well as the Facebook page to stay up to date on what's going on with the Star Wars Canon Podcast. Be sure to check out the Patreon account as well if you'd like to help support the podcast in any way. Uh, if you'd like to get a question on the podcast, you can send it in to StarWarsCanonPodcast at gmail.com, or if you have the Anchor app, you can record a message and send it to me that way. All of those links can be found. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Looky there. I did hit the wrong button. Uh, like I said, thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, may the Force be with you.